what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to a brand new episode of the before and after show um, if you're just joining us for the first time this is what is known as an after show and the way the show itself works is each week i take a film that i've never seen before and i give you my expectations for what i'm expecting out of the film and the next week i will have seen the film and i'll tell you what i thought about the film so this week we are talking about what we thought about the film and we are in the middle of the before and after show summer blockbuster extravaganza wherein we are taking two movies every week one is a new blockbuster for summer 2015 and the other one is a loosely connected film um to the summer blockbuster that's coming out so i'm joined once again by cory tindall hello hello welcome back it's great to be back um cory's been a guest on the show before uh we did previously martin scorsese's New York, New York. New York, New York. And uh, he does all those sweet jams that you hear in every episode of the podcast. So. Slapping some bass. Yep. Um, so we saw a couple movies <laughs> this week. But, we did. Uh, uh, did you watch anything outside of that this week? Uh, not anything really like noteworthy. Okay. So what about you? Um, I saw a movie uh, with Jesse Eisenberg called The Double. Haven't heard of that. It's an indie film... I actually learned after it was over that it's based on a Dostoyevsky uh, short story. Oh. Yeah. And he's this guy who works in this, like, kind of dystopian future, but they have a bunch of old-timey technology. Like, there's not, like, a well-defined time period. Is it, like, new stuff, or is it, like, steampunk, or is it... it like, all of that, basically? Like, it's, like, an old-timey TV... But, like, the technology seems pretty advanced for what they're doing, mm-hmm. and, like, I, I don't really know. Like, it's it's in this weird, like, alternate future, yeah. I think. Um, but he plays this man named Simon James, and he works for this company that is sort of in charge of everything. And they hire a new guy named James Simon, and he looks exactly <laughs> like... It's just Jesse Eisenberg again. Yeah. But it's... So it's an exact double of him with his name inverted. <laughs> And um, they kind of become friends, and then James Simon kind of starts to intrude on Simon James's life, and mm-hmm. and um, kind of like starts to take over, like, and basically forces Simon James into this like situation where they have to be like switching, oh. um, switching lives yeah. all the time, and like uh, James Simon ends up. Um, like having sex with the boss's daughter mm-hmm. and but then Simon James goes to him and is like well this is I need you to do this and he's like well I don't know if the boss would want to see this picture of you, him and his daughter so of like you and his daughter him, like yeah. blackmailing him and stuff like that and so it's sort of like this guy coming in and ruining his life under the guise of friendship and then yeah. him kind of taking control of it back from there it's kind of, it's super weird but I really liked it I really liked it um He's really good in it. Yeah. He's not, like... 
Last thing I saw him in was the Magic movie. Oh, Magic Heist! Yeah! Now you see me. <laughs> oh man, that movie's terrible, but I love it. You know you love it. I, I, I do like it. <laughs> um, he's good in it. He does a good job portraying the two separate personalities of like cool guy James Simon yeah. and like downtrodden Simon James. So he's playing like two different characters. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 woman that that uh, Simon James is into the the meeker of the two guys and the the protagonist really yeah is uh, Mia Wasikowski Wasikowska she played Alice in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland oh the kind of like unknown that like yeah. she was unknown back then yeah when they cast her yeah um, she's in it she's pretty good in it she plays like kind of another like weird loner character better than the Alice in yeah the... yeah um, the... for sure. Um, it was directed by, do you watch the IT crowd? No, but I've, I've seen a couple episodes of it. Okay. It was directed by Richard Iwate, the guy with the hair. Yeah. You know, the weird hair. Yeah. Um, he directed this movie and like, it's kind of like weirdly darkly funny. Like there's this like kind of absurdist surrealist humor to it. And, um, when my fiance was on the show, I believe it was last time we talked about, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was when we were talking about Southland Tales and how that movie is just sort of like surrealism for surrealism's sake. And I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) This movie is very surreal, but there's like kind of an, like it fits well into the themes that it's, uh, yeah, that it's portraying and and stuff like that. It's not just like, Oh, here it is just to be there. Yeah. Here's a bunch of weirdness. (laughs) Like the weirdness kind of fits a lot. Like it's not a movie for everyone. I feel like a (laughs) lot of people, if you go watch it, are going to hate it. Um, (laughs) But I, I I don't know if it was just the mood I was in or what, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of Punch Drunk Love, like a dystopian future Punch Drunk Love. I've never seen that. I love that movie. Most people don't, but I love it. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I, I watched uh, this week. Um, not a lot, but something more than I usually do. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and we we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, two movies. And we will talk about that when we come back. Yes. All right, we are back. Thank you, Corey, for providing that sweet jam that you guys heard in the transition. (sighs) So So, much. Yeah. So much stuff. So much to get through in this episode. So first off... start with the good? Yeah, we'll start with the good. Okay. Um, So... so (laughs) In the midst of this summer blockbuster extravaganza, this weekend, um, what is sure to be the biggest film of the summer came out, um, (laughs) Jurassic World. And as a result, uh, to sort of look back (laughs) into the past, we chose a Steven Spielberg film uh, by the name of Duel Mm -hmm. to watch. That's uh, D-U-E-L, like a showdown, not like D-U-A-L. And... Uh, it's his first film. It was made for TV in 1971 mm-hmm. and later received a European release uh, in theaters where they actually shot 20 minutes of extra footage. Yeah. And that's the version we watched. <laughs> we watched the theatrical version of yeah. that film, the 90 minute version. And the premise of Duel is this guy is <laughs> driving out of town for a business meeting and this truck kind of is kind of like a d-bag to him on the road so he kind of matches the (laughs) d-baggingness of the driver and then that pisses the driver off and he tries to murder him it's kind of like cat and mouse yeah this this sort of cat and mouse game yeah our expectations were highly interested in the film um i think we both kind of were like it's it's just (laughs) going to be interesting to see his first foray into filmmaking because his film after that jaws is Mm -hmm. just so 
um, original and striking and, and focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so seeing like, if we could catch any glimpses of that from this, which we surely did. Yes. So do you want to start with what you thought about duel? Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, like I, I shared last time, you know, I have like the, the crazy history of like seeing a little bit of this movie when I was a kid mm-hmm. and, um, scenes that evoked a lot of like tension and anxiety and some fear and, yeah, I had an enjoyable time watching it. Um, it is very, it's very clear. Like, you know, in watching this movie, there's a lot of things that carry over into Jaws. It's not, it's not like technically a one-to-one the same movie, but there is so much of like, you know, I just mentioned like the the focusedness of like, you know, this is, this is like the whole element of like what I'm trying to convey a lot of that shows up in Jaws um you know obviously there's some more things like there's more characters things get fleshed out I mean in Duel it's kind of just like the man in the truck yeah and that's and that's what you have and there's a little bit of characterization but it was enough to like give me context as to his actions and his reactions against this like kind of unknown semi-driver yeah there's a there's a really good uh, leanness, I think, to this movie. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no fat on it, I yeah. think. Like, you know, if you went back and tried to re-edit it, there's nothing unessential mm-hmm. to take out. And, and I liked that a lot. Um, yeah. It's a very simple premise, yep. and he doesn't try to overcomplicate it or bog it down. He knows it's a simple premise. He does it as simply as possible. Yeah. He gives you what you need to, like, like I said, to understand, like, why these things are happening. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot more, I guess, you could flesh out. But, I mean, I feel like that really kind of shows up in Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's so much in this movie that shows up throughout the rest of Spielberg's career. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, you know, there's um, there's this shot. It's funny. The shot composition in this movie is hilarious to me because so much of it is Spielberg. So yeah. much of it is just like, that's a Spielberg shot, yep. hands down. You can tell immediately. It's just been <laughs> carried with him throughout the entire uh, his entire career. And then the other like half of it is... Oh, you just got out of film school, didn't you? Like, <laughs> this is like super simple static camera with rule mm-hmm. of thirds applied everywhere in the shot. Yeah, and it's like, wow, you were fresh out of school with it when you did this, mm-hmm. weren't you? And so that was the shot composition was probably my my favorite part of the movie because it was just hilarious watching him yeah. bounce back and forth to being like really bold and then being like really safe. Yeah, you with know, his, following the rules, yeah. Yeah, with his stuff, which he then, like, completely breaks in Jaws, kind of. I mean, yeah. he still follows the rules of thirds and, and you know, framing and stuff, because mm-hmm. those are basic rules, obviously. Yeah. But they're not as on display as they are in, in Duel. Yeah. Um, there's one scene in particular I want to talk about. Yeah, I think uh, I know. There's this scene in a cafe. <laughs> this, uh, this truck driver chases him down to this cafe he spins out into the the fence yeah. like near the cafe and these guys kind of come and check out like him are you okay all right. what's going on yeah and he's like yeah i'm fine i just got some whiplash and he gets out of the car and walks into the cafe walks to a booth and uh he sees the truck outside and yeah. so it becomes this like weird head game for him where he's trying to find the driver yeah. in the group of people that's in the cafe and that's an incredible scene, and it's the most Spielbergy thing ever in it. Um, I mean, from the time he gets out of the car, he walks into the restaurant, into the, into bathroom. the bathroom, 
out of the bathroom, back across the entire restaurant yep. to a booth, and it's all one shot. Yeah. It's all one shot, which is like the famous Spielberg <laughs> Warner. Like, he does that all the time. And he's considered, like, kind of the best at doing that. Yeah. And um, that was hilarious to me. And then there's a couple times where he's, like, looking at the people in the um, in the cafe, and he's trying to deduce, like, who is this Yeah, and, like, this what, person. What, what he'll say and, like, how he'll confront them. Yeah. And, yeah. and while it's cutting back and forth <laughs> between, like, the suspects, quote, mm-hmm. and the man, the driver... People, the, the transition is people walking in front of the camera and he's using their clothing to transition the shots. Yeah. Which happens in the most famous scene in Jaws, which is the beach scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so even that, like, even that isn't unique to Jaws, even though that's most people's first um, experience with that shot. Yeah. It, ha- it shows up in Duel and he mm-hmm. just expounds on it more in Jaws. It's just so funny the way yeah. this movie works, man. <laughs> It's so funny, but that scene is is incredible. Yeah, um, there's like a really, and I think over the entire like movie, there's this really good tension. Yes, there's just like this kind of undercurrent of tension that's just like, you know, at different points, it's like he kind of like raises the level of it. So you know, it kind of starts as like an undercurrent, and then it like kind of comes near the surface, and then it kind of like goes back down a little bit, and then like you know, in the last third of the movie, it comes way up, <laughs> way up. But it's always there. Yeah, you're always kind of like. You know, whether you're on the edge of your seat or you're just kind of like, you know, like the the hair on the back of your, you know, neck is kind of standing up. There's always some level of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, Spielberg's Mm -hmm. great at that. Um, You know, Jaws, you feel that shark in that entire movie. (laughs) Like that shark's presence is just looming over that movie. It's like I can't see him, but I know he's there. Yeah. And like that, um, you know, that's something that I think some of the best films do is especially films that are reliant on tension obviously um the dark knight the joker Mm -hmm. is only in maybe like 20 minutes of that movie yeah but his presence is just circling that entire like you know he's there you know he's pulling strings somewhere Mm -hmm. and you know it's all about to come to a head at a certain point and like spielberg Mm -hmm. is the master of that and so Mm -hmm. even when this guy's just like on the road driving and you haven't seen the the truck in a few minutes you're like it's somewhere he's somewhere yeah. yeah or there's even scenes where it's like the truck is like gone up ahead of him and he's like the guy the driver can see the truck but they're like they're both not moving and they're just kind of like kind of like having like a stare down just yeah. like looking at each other but there's still like that tension the guy's like do i go like what happens i know it's gonna like chase after me and yeah, yeah. and like the way <laughs> this truck screws with the driver is so yeah. nuts like there's a scene after he leaves the cafe where the truck goes ahead of him and he's pretty far mm-hmm. ahead of him yeah and he comes upon this bus of school kids yeah. who have been stranded <laughs> and he tries to help them out of the the, the mud or whatever mm-hmm. and he can't do it and then he sees the truck the yeah. truck is then turned around <laughs> and come back after this guy and he, uh, he, the driver drives off. Yeah. And then the truck comes over to the school bus full of kids. Yeah, and, and helps them. And helps them. <laughs> and it's just this, like, mind-breaking thing where it's like, oh, man, he's after that guy yeah. specifically. And everyone keeps thinking, like, you're crazy, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's no truck driver. There's no truck. Yeah. Ugh. Man, I... So good. It is really good. Like I, as I was watching it, 
because of how simple the movie is, I was a little bit bored. I also watched it kind of late at night. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this is a little slow. I get it. It's a 70s thriller. But, yeah. I mean, this premise isn't that interesting. And, like, there's not a lot going on. But that movie stuck with me, man. It it's, does. It I'm still thinking about it. That's probably why I remember it all these years from now. Just even the, the couple scenes that I saw as a kid. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, there's this great scene where he goes to, like, this, this truck stop. The scene you described where he yeah. did the phone booth and there's this lady <laughs> with snakes. Yeah. And uh, she's like freaking out because he takes out her snake her snake cages. She's like, my snakes. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. I have snakes. I don't... Yeah, I don't know why she had snakes, but it was super hilarious to see how even that comes back in Spielberg's career in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. He's got, you know, a protagonist that's afraid of snakes. And there's a shot where the driver is like getting up off the ground and there's a tarantula crawling up his leg and he like brushes the tarantula yeah. off, which is yep. alluded to at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. when Indy turns around, there's tarantulas all over his back and he scrapes them off with his whip. Yeah. Like, Spielberg like clearly still likes this movie in his mm-hmm. career and I like that he likes his first film. Like, yeah, that's, that's cool. really cool. I don't know. I, I really, I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, how did you, how did you like the ending? Man. <laughs> Let's talk about like the last like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. So the last 10, 15 minutes is this crazy chase um, <laughs> that is just completely tension filled, man. Basically like the, the kind of the, the setup thing that has happened throughout the whole movie. It's like the guy has been chased and he stopped a couple times and they keep telling them at these gas stations like, oh, you might want to check your radiator hoses. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, I'm just trying to get to wherever I'm going. So... Kind of like as as this last like kind of third of the movie starts, I'd say, what is he doing? Is he going up a hill or is he driving? It's just his his radiator like his tubes blow. Right. And so, well, he's trying to bump up his speed to get away from the truck because the truck is chasing him yeah. downhill. Yes. And he yeah. kn- he knows that the truck is heavier, so it's going to catch up to yeah. him. So he needs to punch it as fast as he can, mm-hmm. and his radiator blows out. Yeah. In the middle of it. And it was just, just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And, it, like, it blows out and you're immediately like, the radiator hoses. Yeah. What is he going to do? So, you know, he, like, drops in the neutral and he gets down to the bottom of the hill. And then he, yeah, because he's able to turn the car off and just coast all the way down. Yeah. And then, like, let it cool off enough. And then, like, he gets to the bottom of the hill and he's like, I can win on the uphill. And so he turns around and takes another path and goes, like, back up like yeah. the hill and just this whole time you know it's like the truck because of how heavy it is it's just like this menacing force just like slowly climbing after him yeah and this guy in the car he really depicts like sheer terror just yeah. like this is it like oh my gosh what's gonna happen like oh yeah oh wow dennis weaver yeah and and so it ends on this kind of like game of chicken where they end up in this like fenced off area mm-hmm. and it's it this is like the <laughs> duel we've been leading up to right yep and it's this fenced off area and the driver drives towards the truck mm-hmm. and the truck drives towards the di- driver and they're like head on yep. and the driver jumps out at the last minute and the truck smashes the car and drives off a cliff and uh <laughs> awesome it is awesome but it does not end awesome yeah for this guy like yeah. there's this moment of celebration that he has yeah it's and, like all the adrenaline like, yeah and then it immediately subsides yeah and he looks over the cliff and he realizes what's happened he's taken another man's life yeah 
and he like can't handle it. And he like breaks a little bit, and it—that's how it ends. And then it just goes to credits. The credits just start to roll. Yeah, you see him in like the background, <laughs> just like throwing rocks. Like he realizes he doesn't have a way home. Yep. No one knows he's out here. Yeah. Um. He's God knows how far from yeah. the nearest payphone. Um. And he's been responsible for the death of another human being, yep. and it just like the weight of all that hits him, and he just like all he can do is just sit on the edge of this cliff and think. And just start throwing rocks. Yeah, he's into just the like cannon. overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah, and man, I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> That's when ended. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Like, I know, I was just like, "Wow!" Like, that is that's heavy. Yeah, but, it, like, it's a really dark ending for <laughs> like a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. There's one shot also at the beginning where he's talking to um, his wife on the phone. Yeah, laundromat and i love the way this shot is set up because in the foreground there's this woman doing laundry Mm -hmm. and she's got the washer door open and he's framed in the circle of the um the washer door yeah he's in the in behind that in what would be like the middle of the shot yeah on the phone with his wife and then right behind him is the truck at the gas station oh yeah yeah and it's this amazing like foreshadowing thing it's this amazing it's not a a foreshadowing thing it's it represents it's it's a characterization of the man that shot is because it represents that he's now at the midpoint between his domestic duties as a businessman talking to his wife at home who's taking care of the kids Mm -hmm. and that's the washer he's like in the middle yeah and then on the other side is his eventual fate with the truck driver and even in his conversation with the woman with his wife there it's like it's very much the topic of like it seems like something happened like obviously off screen before he came on this trip where there was some sort of confrontation that he chose not to step into yes yeah and so just even with just that scene alone it just gives you enough to be like okay i understand his motivations why like when we get out here on the road like why is he doing these things yeah what's going on in his head yeah it's just like ah Man, it's it's a it's so much mo- done with so little. So little. I mean, they shot the movie in twelve days. Yeah, that's crazy. And they originally, did you watch the extra stuff? They no, gave him ten. They gave him oh, ten really? days to do it. And because like he was able to keep so like on top of things, they were like, okay, we'll give you two more. And oh wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, he only had to coordinate two people. Yeah, really, <laughs> at any given time. That's true. Yeah, um, we. I think we both highly recommend Duel. Yeah, it's it's a good one, man. Like it may not feel <laughs> like it as you're watching it. At least it didn't. Or to just me. the premise sounds like okay, a truck chases a guy, but it is, it is intense and yeah. it's worth checking out. Yeah, especially if you're a fan of Spielberg. Yeah, if you, if you like Spielberg, I mean, I think this is the place to go for like Spielberg 101. Yeah, or if you want just like a a very well crafted thriller just where there's a like we were talking about there's just this whole like undercurrent of tension and anxiety that's just is present there the whole movie definitely yeah recommend duel yeah duel's great um now on the other end (laughs) of the spectrum we just got back from seeing um the latest entry into the jurassic park franchise jurassic world yeah. And Jurassic World is, is the fourth installment of the series Ugh, of man. four movies now. 
Um, only one of which has really, truly been amazing. Yes. And that one is not just amazing, but but holds a place in the pantheon of like <laughs> incredible movies. Yes, it does. And it was directed by Steven Spielberg himself. And now Steven Spielberg has made way for a new director by the name of Colin Trevorrow. Mm-hmm. And he is serving merely as executive producer on this film. Heading into this movie... Um, I was not expecting much out of it. I was fully expecting to hate it. And I believe you were a little bit more optimistic. I was than trying I was. to set the bar low. Um, I feel like you and I agree on a lot of like the, the complaints and stuff we talked about last time. But I wanted to try to like this movie. Right. Yeah. And I didn't. I <laughs> you were actively trying to like it and I was actively hating it yes. before it even began. <laughs> Uh, which I think is indicative of our experiences with yeah. the film as we were watching it. So you know, like we like immediately, like right after we left, and like we, you know, we got out of the theater and we kind of chat a little bit. I was like, it's entertaining if you don't classify it as a Jurassic Park movie, which is, is a problem. Which is a problem because. It's trying to be a Jurassic Park movie. It has Jurassic in the name. <laughs> yeah. It is part of the franchise. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, well, you'll have fun if you look at it as like a monster movie or an right. action movie. Right. And- I think I think I agree with you on that point. If this were a brand new movie yeah. and it, like it weren't part of an existing franchise, especially one as beloved as yes. Jurassic Park, I wouldn't be as filled with rage as I Things would be more forgivable. Yes. Yes. But because you put Jurassic there, you're invoking a certain aesthetic. Yeah. And this movie completely ignores that aesthetic that was set up by the original. Yes. And that's my biggest problem, (laughs) I think, with the entire film. And it was a problem I had going into it after reviews started coming in. Yeah. Reviews started coming in and they were like, it's the 80s B-movie version of Jurassic Park. And I was like, I hate it already. (laughs) I hate that idea already. I don't mind 80s B-movies, yeah. but my thing is Jurassic Park easily, the original could have easily been a schlocky 80s B-movie, yeah. and it wasn't. It was beautiful and majestic and had this undercurrent. all these things for, like, you know, CGI and yeah. animatronics. Yeah. And, uh, and, like, has this undercurrent of tension yes. once it starts going, and it's well-paced. And Jurassic World is the 80s B-movie version of Jurassic Park. Yeah. But that's terrible. Like the We don't want that. Yeah. If this was a movie on sci-fi, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, it's, like, it's plenty enjoyable. I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, fun moments, and there's a lot of, like, nods to Jurassic Park. Which, which are the are, best parts yeah. of the entire movie to me. <laughs> but, uh, it's just... Oh, man. Um, I don't even, I walked out of the theater and we went and had lunch afterwards and I was just sitting there like thinking to myself, it's like, what do I think about this movie? How do I feel about this movie? If I had to grade this movie and, and I, I don't know, I'm just really mixed. It's, it's enjoyable, but that's not the same thing as being a well-crafted movie. Mm -hmm. I, on the other hand, found this movie torturous. <laughs> I believe is the word. Um, I, I I hated every second of this movie, with a couple exceptions, and not very many. You didn't love the Indominus Rex? Uh, no, the Indominus Rex can go away. You didn't love all the meta humor in there? Uh, so the, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to that. So this movie is 
20 years after the park, I have something to say about that. It's 20 <laughs> years after the original events of the Jurassic Park 1. Jurassic Park 2 and 3 didn't happen, so right. you don't really need them. Right. Those yeah. don't exist in the Jurassic yes. World universe. The park is now open, and they've been open for a few years. And as a result, attendance is kind of waning. And people aren't as amazed, they say, by the things that, you know, like just having dinosaurs there as they used to be. So they have to do all these other things every year to create spectacle and interest. Right. And so they've created this this um, dinosaur that's been genetically modified. They've they've completely built it in a test tube. Yep. Um, it's not an existing type of dinosaur. It's a it's this sort of amalgamation of other of creatures. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an everything but the kitchen sink uh, dinosaur. Yeah. And they named it the Indominus Rex, and that's supposed to be their new big attraction. And the, the yeah. main plot is that it escapes its pen, and it's this very powerful dinosaur, and it's them chasing the dinosaur yeah. around the park and, and trying to contain it or kill it or whatever. <laughs> um, and... It does not work. None of that works for me at all. And there are several factors for it. The least of which, or the most of which, (laughs) actually, being the incredibly shoddy CGI in this movie. Yes, let's talk about that. (sighs) Wow, man. Like... I, there's no excuse for <laughs> most of this stuff to be CGI. It's 2015. Yeah. When did Jurassic Park come out? 1993. 22 years ago. And that was one of the first films that pioneered CGI. Yeah. So, there's no excuse. Yeah. There's no excuse. How much money was spent on this movie? Uh, easily $150 million. Uh, and it does, it's a nowhere to be found on screen. Is the CGI jarring, MJ? Does it take you out of the experience? Completely. Completely. And that's a big thing when most of the movie revolves around dinosaurs. Right. And the opening shot of the movie, uh, well, the opening shot is like two dinosaurs hatching, but the one of the <laughs> opening shots of this movie is this... Uh, Clawed foot comes down into the ground, and you think it's a dinosaur, and they pan up, and it's a crow, and the crow flies away. Well, that crow is CGI. <laughs> and so I leaned over to my fiancé, and I was like, oh, they CGI'd that crow, you know, because of how extinct crows are. Uh, and I was just like, for real? You're not even going to use a real crow. Like, uh, how much money would that... Like, I bet on, I could guys. hire a crow yeah. for, like, 60 bucks. And so I... Immediately, I was like, oh, screw you. (laughs) Screw you. And then right out of that, we're introduced to this family. um, It's a mother, uh, father, and their two sons. And Mm -hmm. the two sons are going to spend a week in Jurassic World with their aunt, who is Bryce Dallas Howard, um, going around seeing the attractions. And there's a shot of, of the oldest son saying goodbye to his girlfriend, Who looks much older than him, by the way. Yeah. Like, this kid looks like he's, like, 14. He's supposed to be 16. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He looks like he's, like, 14. Yeah, that's what I would guess. This this woman he's dating looks like she's in her, like, third year of grad school. She looks (laughs) so much older than him. But he is, like, facing away from the camera a little bit and, like, kind of looking off to the side. And the reason why is because he's got a pair of Beats headphones around his neck and... 
they've they're only serving as product placement there's in this so movie. much product placement in this movie there's so much product placement in this movie and that was the most obnoxious it, it, immediately i mean this is the first three minutes of the movie if not two minutes of the movie yeah that they're just like big beats logo on this guy's headphones and then later he gets in the car and he puts them on and turns his head to the side where all you see is the headphone and i was like are you kidding me movie buy me some beats yeah oh man, man. um Yes. So from from there we we, <laughs> we are get to the park. We get to the park. Uh, the Jurassic Park score kicks in, which worked for me really well um, in this big sweeping yeah. shot of, of Jurassic. You World. see the park finally, and yeah. like you have the music swelling, and you're like, "I'm back!" Yeah, and I was it's open. Yeah, and I was like, "All right, you got me. You got me, movie." I know you're like, oh, "I want to be there," and I guess I'm there with you right now. So. Yeah, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Um, we meet Chris Pratt's character, Owen Grady, who is a Raptor trainer um, from the Navy, who's a, who's an ex-Navy vet, and he works for Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. who wants to train Raptors. It was so weird to see him in this role. <laughs> I mean, like, I mentioned it last time, but, you know, I've, I've watched Daredevil, mm-hmm. and he is, it's, just, it's such a different character for him to play, and it's like... One of the reviews I read called him the creepy uncle that no one wants at the barbecue. I could hear that. <laughs> um, and it's true. And and both Vincent D'Onofrio and Chris Pratt suffer from two things in this movie. Yes. And that is a lack of accent, but also an accent at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they keep going back and forth between the southern accent. Yeah. And But they never hold on to it. It's never consistent throughout the entire movie. And both these guys do it. I don't know if it was like, they were like, hey, let's see if they'll notice. Or what? But, like, I don't understand why they can't keep an accent going. It's just a southern accent. It's like yeah. it's not like anyone wanted them to be, like, Scottish or yeah. anything. I don't know, man. And, you know, we're talking about Chris Pratt. Um, like I said last time, I like Chris Pratt, but even all the charisma he has as an actor, I feel like it can't save this character of, like, Owen, whatever, Grady. Owen Grady. It can't save him because... He's written with all these just cringeworthy like one-liners, or he's just got like he's really bad lines. Uh, he is like the he is the stock character from every like you know '80s B movie that you don't want to see. Every and, every shot of him is like, look at this cool guy being a cool guy. Yeah. Isn't he such a cool guy? And he's awesome, and he was in the Navy, and he can shoot guns, and he's got his motorcycle, and he's kind of Indiana Jones because we want him to be the next Indiana Jones. But he's not, because it's Jurassic Park. And it's like, oh, man. Man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man. So he's terrible in it. Bryce Dallas Howard is fine in it, but she doesn't get anything to do. Yeah. She's just there to sort of be frigid, and that's it. Yeah. Like, they were like, uh, be frigid. Okay, cool. Cut. Like, there's no, like, development from her character. Like, there's no journey she goes on. There's no journey any of these characters go on. Like, (laughs) they're the exact same people at the end of the movie as they are at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And also, these two kids who are going to visit her know that their parents are getting divorced. Yeah. Which is presumably still happening. So these kids go to Jurassic World, get attacked by all kinds of dinosaurs, and then still got to deal with their parents' divorce. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of like one of those subplots where it's like when, when it's introduced, 
I feel like the couple scenes between the two brothers, I was like, oh, I thought those were actually done pretty well to, like, evoke some sort of, like, oh, that really sucks, and, you know, the older brother trying to, like, comfort his younger brother, but then it's just, like, never addressed. All this stuff happens, they meet up with their parents, and then it's just, like, end of movie. Yeah, and it's like, wait. Did their sons almost getting killed by dinosaurs save their marriage? Or yeah. are they still getting divorced? Or is it just ambiguous? It's like they're going to hug and walk out of like the hangar or whatever and be like, okay, so you're with mom this week. Like, yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah. Man. So, um, a couple of discrepancies I have with the lines in this movie. Yeah. And one of them <laughs> is from Vincent D'Onofrio and he says something to the effect of when they're talking, he's talking about how he wants to breed raptors to invade countries instead yeah. of drones. He thinks that sending dinosaurs in is the way of the future because uh, I don't know. And <laughs> he has this line where he says, um, you know, nature's been telling us this for 75 million years. Yeah. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. And the reason I have a problem with that is because the original tagline for Jurassic Park says an adventure 65 million years in the making. Yeah. So does that mean this movie takes place 10 million years after Jurassic Park? I don't know. <laughs> Alternate timeline. Because he says 75 million years. Ugh. Um, the, I, didn't, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, as soon as he said it, I was like, is this 10 million years in the future? Um, well, it was followed by Chris Pratt replying with another cringeworthy, like, well, maybe we shouldn't have progress, or maybe progress isn't a good thing. Maybe progress just, shouldn't win one time. Yeah, so I'm like, <sighs> uh, and I'm just like, oh, man, man, like, Chris Pratt, I like you, but man, wow. <laughs> yeah. It all depends on what kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. I mean, like, who wrote these lines? Yeah. They're so... It's just like, you know, we watch the scene, we see what's going on, and then it's and then it's like, oh, sweet, and Owen's gonna give us, like, you know, what everybody was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the other discrepancy I have is, at the beginning of the film, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, whose name I haven't committed to memory because I don't know it, um yeah what is her name yeah <laughs> yeah that's a problem you keep talking um she is meeting with these potential investors for the new indominus rex attraction and she says what you said which is people aren't interested in merely dinosaurs anymore and then she looks directly at the camera directly at the camera yeah and says, breaking the fourth <laughs> and says they want bigger louder more teeth, cooler. And it's just the summation of what they're trying to do with the movie, and it's the most ham-fisted, crappy justification for why this movie sucks that I've ever seen. Like, it feels like they knew they were making a bad movie, and then blaming the audience for it. That's how it felt. Like, it felt like they knew they made this movie bad on purpose, and then looked at the audience and went, well, you, this is what you wanted, isn't it? Like, it... It's contempt for the people watching your film <laughs> is what that is. Like, you outright hate the people that are watching it. And, and like, Birdman did that. The, I never saw that. Birdman so. does that. There's, like, this whole undercurrent. That's, like, a major theme in that of, oh. like, you know, well, you can't understand this movie because it's kind of weird and you're not into kind of weird and you don't want to think about cinema. You just want big explosions. Isn't that all you want, audience? Like, he addresses the audience directly. Oh. 
Um, there's a scene in there where there's this like action sequence and there's these big explosions yeah. and it like pans around to the Birdman character and he's looking directly in the camera and he goes, this is what you want, isn't it? Look at all of them sitting there with their eyes glinting at this spectacle. <laughs> and it's just like that movie hates the people that are watching it. Yeah. And this movie hates the people that are watching it. Yeah. Do you... Again, not to be the, the pushback devil's advocate, but do you think, like, some of that was at all, like, the struggle of, like, you know, the director kind of being like, I, because he's gone on record saying, like, he's a really big fan of Jurassic Park and whatever. You think some of that is, like, his pushback to not justify himself but be like, I, I couldn't make a Jurassic Park movie, but I love Jurassic Park and you know, the big corporation that wants me to create this big budget film is going to force me to do all these things that, like, won't make it Jurassic Park. Do you think there's any of that in there? There or do you might think be. it's, like, by accident? There might be. I mean, that guy has said he's not doing the sequel. Yeah. And there is going to be a sequel. Yeah, because this movie pauses for ten minutes near the end to set up the sequel. Yeah. They just hit the pause button on the entire movie and then show you a short film that sets up the sequel and then resumes the actual movie you were watching, <laughs> and I hated it. Um, uh. Yeah, and, and there's like... There's these two characters in the control room played by uh, the guy from The New Girl. Yeah, I don't know his name. I don't know his name either. Um, and this woman named Lauren Lapkus, who I know from podcasts that I listen to. And the, the guy from The New Girl... <laughs> yeah feels like the voice of the director yeah because he's wearing like an old school jurassic park t-shirt yeah and he's like he's got the best yeah he's, he's the best funny lines but you know he's like i got this shirt for like 150 dollars on ebay. ebay yeah and uh he's like because the first jurassic park was legit and it was like yeah. wait really like yeah he's like it was a disaster but that was legit and yeah. it's like is that the voice of the director like, yeah it could be those two characters, though, are the... And he even makes the stab. He takes the stab at the Indominus. So he's like, so we're just making up dinosaurs? We just Are we going to let the people name them, the people who pay for them? And, you know... So well, they... Yeah, because they say, like, Verizon Wireless Presents. Yeah. Indominus Rex. Rex. Yeah. And he's like, ugh. He's like, are we just going to let the companies name them? Pepsisaurus? Tostitodon? Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like those two control room characters feel the most in line with the Jurassic Park movie out of it anyone in the movie yeah they're the ones who capture the spirit of like what jurassic park is about the mm -hmm. most so all this hatred and vitriol i have for this movie there are some things that do work really nicely for me in this movie mm -hmm. and the things that work really nicely for me in this movie is every single reference to the first jurassic park movie yeah. of which there are many and that's a huge problem when your fan service works yeah. And that's the only thing that works. You made a bad movie. Yeah. Be, but every time something from the first movie showed up, I got super pumped because I was just reminded of how amazing Jurassic Park is. Yeah. There's an entire 10-minute sequence, 10 or 15-minute sequence mm -hmm. in the middle of this movie where they find the old park. Yep. And they find the old, like, the entrance to the old, the old like, main, yeah. uh, main building where, and like... The T-Rex took it down. Yeah. And, oh, man. and you see the banner kind of like half hidden, but there's enough there so that you can tell. It's like, oh, that was the banner that was up in the building. Yep. And, and they hotwire one of the Jeeps. Yeah. And man, it was so good. That was my favorite part of the entire movie. But the only reason it was my favorite part is because I was like, man, Jurassic Park is so good. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's scenes that I feel like try to kind of capture or create tension or kind of have you scared but i just 
I never feel like the stakes are there. There's it's no like, stakes in this movie they're, at they're, all. They're shot in ways where it's like, oh, that's the familiar scene where it's like, you know, they're back up against the wall and something comes really close to their face. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, like those type of things. But they're never, they're never like you said, there's no stakes. And yeah. so I just... Yeah, there's no tension in this movie. And we talked about this a little bit in the before, that there was no possible way from the trailer even yeah. that we would have something as horrifying as that kitchen scene. Yeah. Because that kitchen... The kitchen scene in the original is... It is terrifying. It's still terrifying. You go watch it now, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Are they like, gonna get out? You know what's gonna happen, and you're still... You, you're able to put that aside. Yeah. And at no point in this movie was I like, oh, these people are going to die. Like, I never felt like anyone's life was ever in Yeah, danger. you could kind of peg who was gonna die, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. And, and in Jurassic Park, like, it was... It could have been any of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, that the park is owned by, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but he's shown up at a few things. He was in Life of Pi. He was in Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Oh, yeah. He was in The Last Airbender and Slumdog Millionaire. And, oh, yeah. Um, he's the guy who played the cop in Slumdog Millionaire that's interrogating the kid. Who, oh, okay. Yeah. He plays the man who owns Jurassic World, and, mm-hmm. and the story behind him is that, um... John Hammond left it to him in his will, or it was his mm-hmm. dying wish to to give it to to this Indian businessman. And see the park open. And see the park open. Which directly contradicts the end of Jurassic Park. Yep. Completely. <laughs> but my favorite thing about him is that they were like, get me Indian Jeff Goldblum. Because he just looks like Indian Jeff Goldblum. As soon as he showed up, I was like, oh crap. This guy looks exactly like Jeff Goldblum. And it's kind of creeping me out. Yeah. Um, There's a fun little nod. I don't know if you noticed this, but on the the desk of one of the control room people Mm -hmm. is Ian Malcolm's book. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, there's his book. And then there, that worked for me. Like, yeah. I was like, hey, sweet, Ian Malcolm. He's awesome. He's better than literally anyone in this yeah. movie. <laughs> uh, oh, so, man. yeah, Jurassic World. Uh, it ends with a, a, a huge dinosaur fight. I think one other thing I know, there's so yeah. many things we could talk about. Let's let's address the, the training of the raptors. And this kind of mm. ties into the ending sequence. Mm-hmm. So... How did you feel about that, MJ? We saw the trailers. We saw Chris Pratt being like, it's about mutual respect and like, you know, seeing that he could command them. How did you feel that worked in the movie or didn't work? You know what? I think it worked better in the context of the movie than I was originally giving it credit for. It didn't necessarily work because this movie doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. But it does work within the constructs of the film. And I thought so too. And I think they did a good job of like giving him... I'm kind of of two minds of this. Chris Pratt's character gets all the smart ideas. Yeah. He gets all the good ideas in this movie. Whereas in Jurassic Park, they were doled out amongst a lot of... Amongst everyone. Everyone has, like, one good moment in this movie. And here, they're all relegated to Chris Pratt. And I think they did a good job writing um, his character in the sense of, like, making him smart and caring about these animals. Yeah, because he's kind of, like... I mean, and they, again, they harkened back to the first Jurassic Park, how, like, they were viewed more as, like, animals and not just, like, you know, these dinosaurs or monsters, you Mm -hmm. know? And it seems like nobody in the whole, you know, like, story of Jurassic World understands that except Chris Pratt's character. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I, I thought he did a good job. I think that was probably the best character stuff in the whole movie was yeah. was his relationship with animals and like being good with animals. Yeah. So yeah, there's this showdown and you find out that the Indominus Rex is part raptor. So they go to attack the Indom- Indominus Rex with the raptor army. Yeah. And he communicates with the raptors and becomes the new alpha of them because he's yep. part raptor. And so they turn on the humans that have trained them. And in the big final showdown, the raptor okay. confronts Chris Pratt's character, and then the Indominus Rex comes up behind the raptor. And there's this <laughs> shot of the raptor where he's like looking f- back and forth between Chris Pratt and the Indominus Rex. Yes. And it's just like this like soap opera y bullcrap ridiculousness <laughs> where it's just like one raptor caught between two worlds. worlds. <laughs> And it's it's so dumb. I thought it was dumb. Yeah, um, man. And he eventually sides with Chris Pratt and attacks the Indominus Rex. And then the Raptors aren't strong enough to. So take they him bring down. in the big gun. They they give Bryce Dallas Howard's character one good idea, and like yeah. she goes and is like, "We need the T Rex." Yeah. And so she goes and gets the T Rex, and it was pretty boss yeah that part worked really well for me yeah actually them revealing the t-rex because i was kind of like at that point like the the raptors kind of have the pre-fight and it's and like the indominus rex is just like wrecking them it's like Mm. what are they gonna do i don't know i don't know what the you know ace in the hole is but then yeah she goes and gets the t-rex and it's like okay i can dig it yeah (laughs) i think I, I saw that thing coming with the T-Rex because yeah. they alluded to him once and you kind of caught a glimpse of him, but then he never showed up again. And I was like, mm. he's coming back. He's got, <laughs> he's got to finish this off. Cause it's yeah. a nod. It's also a nod to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Cause that's how <clears throat> they get saved from the Raptors. Yeah. And, and the first one is the T-Rex shows up mm. and, uh, I don't know, just bringing him back. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but once again, that's because it made me be like the T-Rex was a badass in Jurassic Park. Yeah, he saved him in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing, the only time I ever felt anything emotionally in this movie <laughs> is when one of the the Brachiosaurus or Brontosaurus was dying because she had been killed by the Indominus Rex. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's this scene with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and this dinosaur where it's dying and they're comforting it as yeah. it's dying. And it is really, like, kind of sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's the only time a practical dinosaur effect is used in the entire movie and it goes like i was so conscious of how much nothing they were acting against and how much the cgi was there that when they finally put a freaking puppet in there i got really excited you're like what and it worked because they were touching something real in the sense they were touching like a prop that was on the set and so i like it it immediately made them act better yeah i don't know if the performances and the terribleness of them is necessarily the actor's fault because I mean, that would be hard to act against CGI raptors and like yeah. how do I <laughs> what what does it look like to do that? You yeah, know? I I completely agree. I mean, Ian McKellen said that he had a nervous breakdown on the set of the Hobbit movies because he had to act against so much nothing Ugh. that that he like <laughs> cried about it. Is what wow. he said. Yeah, he like couldn't figure it out and. That makes total sense yeah. because that's not what acting's about. Like acting's not a solo deal. Yeah, it's like you're interacting with things. You're yeah. acting with people. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't know how much of this is is necessarily the fault of the people involved. Yeah. As far as the performances go, it's just the the 
fault of CGIing everything. Yep. Um, so one last thing. And this is a question I posed on the Facebook page. And that is, this movie is sitting at a 71% on yep. Rotten Tomatoes. And it's beyond me. <laughs> it is beyond me how yep. it is sitting at, uh, at that level. And it's like we said kind of when we started talking about Jurassic World. It's fun. It's entertaining. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, like, it's like an amusement park ride. It's fun. But, like, if it was a new standalone, you know, entry into some series, it's like a lot of the things could be forgivable. And, you know, it would be like, oh, yeah, that was a fun start to a movie. But it's not. It's tied to a franchise that is deeply and dearly beloved. And the, some of those things are just like, you know, they're unexcusable. And just also just like as a film in general, you know, it's like there shouldn't just be things that we say like we just gloss over. Oh, well, you know, it's part of Jurassic Park. So, you know, it's just like it's fine or whatever. It's like, uh, uh, no, no, I don't think they're... I don't think there's an excuse for some of the stuff. Well, a lot of the stuff that was present in this movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the question that I posed <laughs> on Facebook the other day. It says Jurassic World currently sits at a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yet most of the reviews I've read seem to mention what doesn't work in the film more than what does, and then giving the film a positive score. Are film journalists becoming more complacent? Have they been assaulted so have they been so assaulted with big over-the-top action films that they're finally waving a white flag and saying, You win? So what I mean, what do you <laughs> think after after experiencing the film for yourself? Oh man. I love Jurassic World. Um Well, I I would tend to I would tend to kinda lean more towards like maybe just film critics or just They've started to become a little bit more jaded. They've just kind of become tired of, you know, it's like, well, and, and I feel like you see this problem in different industries, but it's like, what sells, MJ? What sells? Big, loud, over-the-top spectacle. That's what sells, generally. That's yeah. what's going to, it's kind of like the AAA movies that are going to make so much money and just, you know, like, profit these big companies. And so I feel like, you know, while there is a lot of skill and talent involved, it's like, ultimately, it's like, that is like the outcome. And so I feel like that has kind of, kind of tainted and colored a lot of kind of like the movie industry. And this bleeds into other things. Like I'm really big into video games. They've, that industry is kind of suffering a lot of the same type of things. It's more about the money and mm -hmm. it's not about like the actual product. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say like reviewers and you know, a lot of the film critics are just kind of, like, getting jaded, and they're like, well, I guess this is kind of... I don't know if this is a new standard, but maybe they're just... They're just, like, we're tired of fighting back. What do yeah. you think? I don't know. It's <clears throat> it's weird. Like, I don't want to get conspiracy theorist-y about it, but, it, like, it almost seems like some of these people may have been paid off. Like, yeah. I, 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 after seeing the movie, I don't understand how you could give it a positive review at all. I mean, it's there's horrendous. Some, like, there's some big, like, you know, like, name, like, reviewer type things, you know, like... I saw I read a review by the LA Times that was more positive, you know. Yeah. Chicago Man, people, Tribune, yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's just super weird to me because we're coming off of something like Mad Max. Yeah. Which you know, it sits at like an eighty ninety eight percent on mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um it's incredible, and, and it was this, you know, obviously well loved film by, mm -hmm. by critics and, and you know, they were saying 
you know, how amazing it is that he pulled off all this stuff practically and, and all this. But then we have this movie, which is just like piles of CGI bullcrap <laughs> just across the screen. And and they're giving it 71% and, and stuff like that. And so I don't understand. Like, I'm so confused because, you know, when Mad Max came out, they were ha- hailing it as this like return to form for action movies. And this yeah. whole summer has kind of been a return to form for action movies. Furious 7 was a great action movie that relied too heavily on CGI, mm-hmm. um, but not the way this does, not yeah. the way Jurassic World does. And, and that movie is at like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's certified fresh. And, and so it seems like reviewers are like contradicting themselves by saying like, yeah, this is what we want. You know, we want the Furious 7s. We want the Mad Maxes of the world. And then turning around and being like, this is big and loud and dumb. Yeah. And it's like, well, but you were just, the thing you were complaining about in the Furious 7 and the Mad Max reviews is that (laughs) movies are too big and loud and dumb, but those two movies are big and loud and dumb, but they kind of know it and they're good. And this is big and loud and dumb. And it, like, kind of knows it, but it also kind of hates the people that watch it, and <laughs> it's also not that good. Yeah. So, I, I, like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm so confused about the state of film criticism right now. I, I don't know. You are, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. It, it, I'm confused. I, yeah, I was surprised to see as many positive reviews about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. It was fun, but it's it's by no means like a good film. No, you know, structurally, you no know, plots horrible, horrible pacing. Characters aren't really developed. We don't go on a journey with them. Nobody grows. There's so many scenes in this movie where I was like, uh, there was a scene in between this that you skipped, right? Yeah, like, you just skipped parts of the movie. Now, now that you bring up the pacing, like it was just yeah. so rushed. Yeah so rushed it was like pump the brakes let me figure out what's going on oh nothing okay oh now we're here oh okay yeah (laughs) here's jimmy fallon or whatever yeah that was that was fun man i hated this movie i've hated i hated this movie i don't know if i've hated a movie more on the show than this movie wow see i'm glad i get to share these moments here i'm glad i get to be (laughs) so what do you think about Jurassic Park in summation? What are your mm. final thoughts? Well, I love Jurassic Park, not or, Jurassic well, World. Well, yeah, Jurassic well, World. Uh, kind of the, to sum it all up, trap it all up, it's it's a good thrill ride. It's fun. Um, I think you'll be entertained. It's kind of like one of those movies where you can check most of your brain at the door. Definitely a popcorn movie. Um, it's fun. It's a summer blockbuster, but... When you really kind of get into like the meat and potatoes of it, all the stuff I mentioned, so many problems, lack of structure, pacing, lack of character development, all those things, and just be, that it's tied to the Jurassic Park franchise, it just doesn't live up to it in no way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm still even like debating with myself, it's like, is this better than like the two previous sequels? I think it might be better than Jurassic Park 3, but that's not saying a whole lot because yeah. that movie was horrible. And I'm like, so, um, I, I mean, I'd say go see it. It's fun. Um, <laughs> what about you, MJ? Exact opposite of what I everything know, you like, just said. I hate this movie so much, which is fine because apparently it yeah. hates me. It hates me. This movie hates me. <laughs> um, it was out to get you. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
it just like it has such a contempt for its audience like shoveling what it it thinks it we want and <laughs> i mean i guess it might be right to a degree because we went to a 10 a.m showing and it was sold out yeah what the heck but it was ridiculous it was that i've ne- i haven't seen that many people in line for a movie and i don't know how long yeah. not even the, the dark knight movies uh-huh. i don't remember the last time we i saw were, a we were really surprised busy. yeah, yeah. I, it caught me off guard really bad. Um, I mean, our local theater has 37 showings of that movie today. Wow. Four of them are in 3D, 33 of them are in standard. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Oh, man, I hated this. And and people clapped in our theater, and yeah. like people are enjoying it. It's at an 87% user rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I just don't get it. So... Will people have fun? No. Like, for, I the, for the normal non you know critical movie reviewers so not us like will they yeah. have fun i don't know will they enjoy I, it i mean i guess i i have no idea because i feel like they wouldn't just basically <laughs> like, it's hard for me to get around around a lot of this bull crap yeah. <laughs> like i just don't understand how at a base level people aren't like this movie looks like crap yeah like i don't hear a lot of people talking about how bad the cgi is in it maybe and we've just been desensitized to it maybe i don't know i and like i it took me a long time to hear someone say how bad the cgi in the opening scene of the avengers was <laughs> i didn't read that in any of the reviews and finally the other day i was listening to a kevin smith podcast and he said that he went to see mad max and then the next day went to see avengers and the thing that stuck out for him in avengers was how bad the cgi is in the opening scene yeah and he's the only other person i've heard say that in like any sort of a podcast <laughs> or a review besides myself and like yeah i just don't know like are people just like completely dumb to it and we're just inundated with bad cgi so much now that we can we even... just take it we're just like well you know every movie's gotta have something yeah yeah i don't know I don't know. Man. I don't know either. So that's Jurassic World. Uh, and Corey says two, two thumbs way down. Way down. Way down. Oh, man. You might that have fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> you might have fun. So, I, I smiled a couple times. Yeah. So. I mean, everything I smiled at was a reference to the original. Yep. Go watch the original. We found out that your wife hasn't seen the original, and nope. we need to rectify yeah. that very soon. If you like Chris Pratt, go watch him in something else. Yeah, go watch Guardians sure. of the Galaxy. Go watch Parks and Rec. That's Lego Movie. Where, yeah. Anything but this. Um, yeah, that's uh, a <laughs> that's Jurassic World. Yeah. Uh, don't see it, but also see it according to Corey. Yeah. So we'll let you make your decision there. Let um, us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you <laughs> think. Uh, email the show before and after show at gmail um, at before and after pod on twitter like the facebook page just search the before and after show yeah and you can like it from there uh subscribe on soundcloud subscribe on itunes yeah, give yeah. us a, a five-star review on itunes if you can yep. uh comment on the soundcloud track if, mm-hmm. if you'd like um tell us what you think we really want to hear yeah it, especially I'm, on this one yeah i'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say on this uh, about this movie um and share with your friends. Get the word out. Um, if you <laughs> want to recommend something to them, recommend this, please. Um, you know, I do it for you guys. And so knowing you're listening and growing mm-hmm. the listener base is just going to keep more content coming your way if you like it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is that it? I think that's it. All right. Until next time. Go watch something. Sweet. <laughs>